Well, it would help if I put my uh, microphone on. Great start, great start. Hello, my name is Laura and welcome to Thoughts on the Hoops. Thank you for joining me for episode two of my podcast. Um, thank you very much to everybody for the positive thoughts from uh, last week. I was really encouraged by the number of people that tuned in to watch. If you are a returning viewer or if you're brand new here, get in the chat, get involved. We've got lots to discuss tonight about um, Celtic and about the goings-on from this week. Um, we've got important stuff like the the exit from the Champions League, Brendan Rodgers' thoughts on the squad quality, fans' thoughts on the squad quality. Um, an interesting thread that I read about Callum McGregor's contribution and how that's changed going from Postacoglu to, um, to Brendan Rodgers and, and why it might suggests that he's having a little bit less fruitful of a season than he normally does for Celtic. So uh, if you're in the chat, then please let me know, say hello. It'd be great to see you. Um, we're also live on Twitch tonight. So if you're watching on Twitch, uh, that's an addition to the to the show. Um, so it's great to be here. Um, yeah, the obvious thing to start with this week is the exit from the Champions League. Uh, obviously, we went down 2-0 to Lazio. Uh, two goals from Chiro Immobile coming off the bench. Um, saw fit that we lost our place in the Champions League. Looks very unlikely that we'll even get Europa League at this point. Um, and so it's it's very disappointing. It's led to a lot of discussions, obviously, about um, you know where our place is in Europe, where our place is in 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 the game in general. And I'm I'm a little bit. Uh, suspect of this as well of, of of on the top of the Motherwell result and then going out of Europe panicking a little bit, you know, we're still unbeaten in the league, there's still a lot to be positive about but it's it's obvious that we um we have a lot of work to do, oh we've got our first comment on the chat, Lisa is back, Lisa thank you so much for all your encouragement and support this week, um, I also want to touch a little bit on um, a situation that happened on Twitter this week to a fellow Celtic supporter who I won't name because I don't want any more um, grief coming her way because I know that happens when you name people but I do have some thoughts on it uh, being no stranger to that kind of pile on myself um, that I want to talk about towards the end of the podcast so if you are keen to hear my thoughts on that then obviously stick around. Um, looking at the 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 week that's been in the in the match before we go um on to hearing Brendan Rogers thoughts and reflecting on those I just wanted to give myself a little bit of time to discuss my thoughts on the the game I, you know I'm I'm very rarely I mean I'll I'll watch any kind of football my mum would always say that I would watch the brownies versus the guides and that's pretty much pretty much true I um I thought the game the other night was just you know that way I, I I'm one of these people I, I prefer to lose loads of goals and score loads of goals and then hopefully win the game I don't like watching boring football and I really felt like it was boring football it was it was kind of uh the kind of culmination of everything that I was worried about Brendan Rodgers coming back for um because say what you want about Ange, his football was never boring, okay, we took some hidings in Europe and, and, and you know, some less than desirable results domestically, even during his period of massive success, but 
but you were never bored of watching an Ange team um, and the Rodgers team. I just, you know, you could see the result coming even well before Lazio put, put Immobile on and he scored. Um, and you could see, you could see it coming a mile off. But even beyond that, I didn't think we were, we didn't really look threatening at any point. There was kind of this kind of non-productive possession for possession but possession sake play that I just felt was not in keeping with the way I want to watch Celtic and we'll touch on that in the Callum McGregor section of the show as well but yeah I it's been a long time since I felt this probably back to the the dreaded 2021 season that we we lost um the lost the 10 um there's very few times that I feel like switching a Celtic game off before it's finished but but the other night was definitely one of them and it's sad to say that when you're you're in the Champions League and you should be enjoying being there and, and, and competing with teams at the highest level, but that's unfortunately the 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 place that we find ourselves at. Um that said, we will uh we'll crack on and listen to a little bit about what Brendan Rogers had to say post match. This is an extract from his interview with Celtic TV when he was reflecting on on the match itself. Well, we're very disappointing. I thought we uh, we managed the game well. The first half we uh, we were a bit slow with our passing. I thought we were too not too safe, um, and still one or two opportunities, but uh, but didn't keep the ball well enough high enough up the pitch. So. I felt like Brendan Rodgers contradicted himself a little bit there in what he said. He said we were too safe and then um, that we, you know, we didn't keep the ball well enough. Like, I don't know how you can do those two things at the same time, but I also felt a little bit like, was that maybe a bit unfair on the players? Because I would imagine that that would be, obviously I'm not inside the dressing room and I don't know, but I would imagine that... that keeping the ball and keeping safe and all that kind of thing would have been a a requirement from the team, uh, from the management for the team, sorry. Um, so for him to came, come out then and say after that that he felt that we were too safe or we were too conservative or, or anything like that and we didn't get high, off and up, high up and off the pitch was, you know, I, if I was a player watching that, I might be... I might be a bit miffed to hear him saying that because I would imagine it would that would be quite in line with what his instructions would be. I could be wrong, but that is that is my sort of understanding. The the, the reporter pressed him a little bit more about um the reasons why um we are failing so much in, in the Champions League and why why we're struggling to get wins and things like that. Um and to qualify for the latter stages, and and this is what he had to say. I think in terms of ourselves, it's, it's, it's certainly from my experience now. Over the course of these first five games, we've never really had the squad uh, that we would want to go into each game from the very first game. You know, we've had players missing, and uh, so we certainly haven't been at our strongest in, in the competition. And I think for a club like ourselves, operating at this level, then we need to have the strongest squad available for that so um, so that's always the, uh, the the start point second it's, it's this level's about quality I don't think you can you can't fault the players their effort and the commitment they give everything um, but it comes down to um, it comes down to that wee bit of quality and availability of players 
So it's something that he's expanded on um, in, in today's press conferences and um, there's a lot of worry amongst the Celtic support about what he really means by uh, what he's saying when he says these things, but he emphasises there about us being a club who really need every option available to us at this level and how um, he can't fault the players he can't fault the players' effort, but they're the basically saying the quality isn't there, um, which is is obvious for anybody to see. But you you you'd have to be disappointed, I think, if you're Brendan Rodgers, because um, it's it's uh, one of these situations where um, you would think Brendan Rodgers came back to the club because he was offered the chance to sign players of quality to really push in Europe. Let's face it, the guy achieved everything that he could achieve domestically with Celtic in the time that he was here previously. He became a record-breaking manager for us domestically. Europe was the only um, frontier left to conquer for him and he hasn't managed to do that or been able to do that or even put the situation in place to be able to do that so far. Um, and his return to the club. And what frustrates fans even more than that is it's not even on a background of a club that um, is struggling financially or is needing to, um, you know, pinch the purse strings or anything like that. We are a club that has the funding available. Um, and, and, it's, and it's disappointing to see that we're not, you know, using that funding to try and go on to that next level of club that we would like to be at. I saw, I saw a a list of clubs, uh, I think it was a list of clubs by wage, total wage of the playing staff, and we're above about five or six clubs in the current Champions League, and even then I felt a little bit like they could still beat us, because I think money is a major factor in it, but also we are, um, we just seem to have this issue with mentally being prepared both for the the intensity and the quality that we come up against in the Champions League. Um, Robert Farrell says in the comments, Alistair Johnston said what I've been saying, we are not so used to playing teams uh, that part the bus and not used to teams um, attacking with good players. Yeah, I think that's a major issue actually. Um, it, it's something that even somebody like PSG, and I, and I, I say that with my tongue firmly in, in my cheek uh, to an extent. Um, but I think any team that, that dominates domestically and then has to go and face teams in Europe who are going to give them a game that they never face domestically is going to be difficult. Like like Robert says, um, Alistair Johnson alluded to the fact that, you know, domestically, look at the game against Motherwell. We, we have all the possession, we have all the front, we're always on the front foot. We're always the team trying to break down the opposition. And and very much in Europe, the tables are turned as far as that's concerned. And we find ourselves being um, the only ones who have to try and kind of uh, keep teams out and take opportunities when we get them. But we don't always get an, an awful lot of opportunities. And we need, to, we need to find a way to bridge that gap because that's not something that's going to change, unfortunately. It's going to be a situation that's going to be with us for... A, for a long time to come. Um, the, the gap between us and the rest of Scottish football has has been massive for 20 years now and it's going to continue to be that way going forward. Um, I can't see it changing anytime soon. So 
you know, this continued excuse of things are so different domestically to what they are in Europe. Yes, they are, but there are other teams, the, the Portuguese teams, for example, Sporting Lisbon, Porto, Benfica, seem to give a better impression of themselves um, despite being in, playing in weaker leagues all the time. So I, I don't know what the answer is to it, but there's certainly a certainly something to be said for, you know, that not being an excuse for us going forward. But one thing I wanted to do was look at not just this season, because this season's an entire um, write-off, I think. It's probably the worst performance in the Champions League that I can think of, but I decided to go onto the UEFA website and look at the all-time stats, and they have actually got really good um, PDF documents that you can download. Now, they have one that is dedicated to the statistics in U UEFA Champions League finals. So obviously I didn't need to be anywhere near that because Celtic have not been anywhere near that, unfortunately. Um, but I did have a look at some of the other ones that are pertinent and there's a few very, very scary statistics where Celtic's name comes up. I searched through both documents for the name Celtic just to see what would come up and it tells you everything you need to know about our performances in Europe, what came up. So looking first at the all-time uh, statistics we've got um obviously it gives it by nation Celtic and Rangers are the only two that have um represented us in the uh, represented Scotland in the Champions League um one might argue that the statistics are a little bit inaccurate considering I think Rangers have only had one season in the Champions League if you know what I'm talking about um but anyway Celtic have had um 11 uh participations in the Champions League um, it says zero titles because obviously this is talking about only the brand new Champions League. Um, uh, we have played 72 matches. We have won 18 matches. We've drawn 12 and we've lost an astonishing 42 matches. Um, so that's 65 goals for 131 against with a total of only 48 points. 48 points over 11 seasons. So an average of, you know less than less than four if the quick maths works out that way not encouraging at all we're obviously just leaking goals everywhere and struggling to score goals as well um it it really doesn't make for good reading there when you when you have a look at that and it really tells a story in and of itself but where where things really get scary and I'm going to, this is a special treat for everybody who's watching, but if you're listening, I will read it out to you. But just a slight pause when I put this up. So what is up next is um, teams who have conceded five goals or more in the Champions League. And there we are. 75 clubs have provided 188 separate instances of conceding five or more goals in one game. So the team with the most times of conceding five or more goals in one game is Shakhtar Donetsk. That's happened to them seven times. Then you've got Anderlecht and Besiktas who are on six six times. And then after that, you've got us amongst a, a, a plethora of clubs who have all conceded five goals five times in the Champions League. Now that tells you an entire story about... Um, it's not just that we perform badly in the Champions League. We are in, you know, if, if you take that as tied third place, we're in the top three for kind of most heavy defeats in Champions League history. 
and we can all think of at least one. Um, I know we, we were defeated heavily by Barcelona. We were defeated heavily by PSG. Um, and even the f- the, f- the five nils and, and, and that kind of thing, this will already be out of date, actually, because this is, I forgot to say before, these stats that we're looking at are only for last season and before. We will now be up to six times as far as this statistic is concerned because we've obviously conceded six goals against... Um, against Atletico Madrid uh, this season already. So that'll be up to six times we'll be in the top two this season unless there's other teams who have also conceded more than that. So it's it's depressing to look at, I have to say. What's even worse, what's even worse is the only other occasion I found is coming up in the statistics. You're thinking to yourself, right, the record is the record, we can't do anything about that. Then were one of the top three teams to concede five goals or more in the Champions League for the the num- most number of occasions. But then there was one more instance, and again, I'll uh, I'll let the viewers see this before I read it out for, for the listeners. This is a table of teams scoring five or more goals in the second half of a game. So this isn't just about, um, you know conceding five goals over a 90 minutes which can happen to any team this is about conceding five goals or more in the second half so you're indicating there that it's a real collapse of the team that you're looking at and we make it into that table as well now looking at the number of matches there I'm just going to count it up one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen so since 1992, with all the group matches, all the qualifiers, all the all the last 16 quarterfinals, semifinal finals, all those matches since the 1990s, early 1990s, and we're in the top 16 matches where there's an instance of five or more goals being conceded after halftime. And that was obviously in the 7-0 uh, defeat to, to Barcelona that we had. Um, we conceded two goals in the first half and five in the second half and it goes back to what what issue I had with the performance against Lazio um this week so often we have instances where we just um collapse you know we can hold out and we can hold out and we can hold out and then we collapse I don't understand why it might be a fitness issue it might be just that quality outs in the end um, it might be that that there's something about our tactics that is always going to make us collapse. But the scary thing about this is these are things that keep happening to us despite changes in manager, changes in playing personnel, changes in all sorts of issues, changes in recruitment policy. And yet there's something about the way that we perform in the Champions League that cannot be explained or um changed and it's just it's frustrating to see i'm going to take that off the screen now because it it really is depressing me it's like it's unbelievable to to think that yet another year has gone by where we haven't made the champions league uh work more to our advantage and i don't think there's anybody sitting here there's a few people watching now um i'm i'm sure there'll be people listening to this afterwards 
I don't think anybody here is asking for a repeat of 1967. We're not asking for is I don't think we're even asking for us to be regularly competing in the last 16 in the Champions League. I think it would be a step forward to just show the best of ourselves in the Champions League and occasionally make the Europa League. And obviously that ship's already sailed because that's not going to happen from next season. Um, but you know, looking at the looking at the group this season, and especially when you when you look at the strength or lack of strength of Lazio and Feyenoord in particular, we had a real opportunity to to, if not qualify for the for the last sixteen, at least make the Europa League. And I don't understand why why we couldn't do it. It's just it's so frustrating. I I have my suspicions and I have my concerns. I've seen things about it online that. You know, maybe the board are just happy to, um, to to coast. Basically, they're they're getting the money from the Champions League appearances. It's enough to keep us dominant in Scotland, and as long as we're dominant in Scotland, that money is going to keep coming our way. And okay, that's that's fine, but it just it frustrates me no end that there's no more ambition than that there. Um and I don't know I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on it. If you if any of you've got thoughts on it, um if you want to comment then then obviously get in the chat. Um I think I don't know if the platform that I'm using allows commenting on Twitter, but certainly um on, on YouTube and, and Twitch you should be able to do that. Um uh or if you want to comment after the live show, you can do so in the comments under the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe, just search thoughts on the hoops uh on YouTube or on your favourite podcasting platform, give me a follow, give me a like, um, and, and rev- review, and give me a five-star review if you can, because that will really help the podcast get out there. Um, one of the people within the team who, you know, criticism is turning towards is um, our captain, Callum McGregor. Now, I, I am one of the people who kind of has nothing but good things to say about Callum McGregor. I think he has epitomised everything that's been good about Celtic over the last few years. He makes us, when it, when he's on form, usually um, the whole team ticks. He has been the engine room on which both Brendan Rodgers and Ange Postacoglu built the majority of their success as Celtic managers. And you can't obviously overlook the roles of particularly Neil Lennon and also Ronnie Dyla in the development of, of Callum McGregor. He really has become, you know, a, a first name in the team sheet, at least up until this season. But criticism has been turning on him in this season, um, Partly because he looks he looks leggy, he looks sluggish, he looks um he looks not quite up to the standard that we would expect of him and have come to expect of him over the last few years. Now, it's no secret that Callum McGregor is one of the most um consistent footballers on the planet in terms of, of minutes played. The guy uh consistently is in the top 50 or something footballers and has been for the last seven or eight years in terms of minutes played. He, he, he never seems to get a break. He never, thankfully, never gets injured. Um, and he plays as many minutes for Scotland as he does for Celtic. He, he plays in Europe, plays domestically, plays in every cup competition. He doesn't seem like a guy who's ever going to say, boss, I need a break. And while it's admirable, you do wonder if it's starting to catch up on him. And the reason I wanted to talk about that 
is um, we, uh, as I often like to do, I I I was looking at statistics on on Twitter because there's a lot of good um, uh, Twitter accounts that that share in-depth looks at t- statistics and as somebody who can't pull that stuff together I really do enjoy watching other people do it really expertly um, I'm sure those of you watching and listening to this will be no stranger to Alan Morrison of Axom uh, and the Huddle Breakdown um, and the Celtic Way as well he's at Celtic by numbers on, on Twitter and the stuff he does is great there's also Boys Analytics and Celtic Trends and loads of really good um, accounts out there the um account that we were um, going to look at was from Matthew Rowley Analysis. So it says, is Brendan Rodgers' system um, stifling Callum McGregor? He's analysed passing numbers over a number of games between both Rodgers and Postacoglu to see if it highlights changes. Um, it says... Firstly, here is a basic one-game comparison. So he compares the Lazio game and uh, and the defeat to Lazio on Tuesday to the three-nil defeat to um, to Real Madrid last year. Um, McGregor's passing versus Lazio was very laterally concentrated in Celtic's half, um, and he's basically recycling between um, the centre backs and Taylor, is what Matthew Rowley says. Um, whereas versus Real Madrid, he still had some lateral passes in those positions, but the general spread of, spread of his passing covers much more of the pitch with a lot more forward passing and advanced positions in dangerous areas. And he says the same, uh, basically, about... There's a really good graphic. I really encouraged you to go onto his Twitter page. It's called Rowley Analysis. Um, he talks about um, how the the sort of main areas of his passing have changed. Um, under Rodgers, he's very much mostly passing around his own half of the pitch um, and very much in the sort of left-back area between Taylor, between the centre-backs and, uh, and laterally passing, whereas you can see very clearly on the graphics that are on his Twitter um, thread that his passing is a lot better in terms of going forward. He's a lot more passing in the um in the front half and the attacking half of the of the pitch and I really think that that says an awful lot about why maybe as fans we are struggling to come to terms with the fact that he is um just not doesn't seem to be delivering as much and I don't know that I don't know if it's his fault. I don't know if it's the instructions he's being given. I don't know if it's to do with his aging process. Um, I don't know if it's to do with, you know, the fact that he is is getting older and has played so many minutes of football. It it really is difficult to understand exactly what's going on with him. Uh, Lisa McLean says, I don't think he's the type of person that would ever say he needs a break. After reading his book, I think he's extremely hard on himself and would perhaps view asking for a break as a weakness. I think that that's probably true. I mean, I think you can tell by the way he, he, he conducts himself on the pitch that you can never accuse him of not giving 100%. But there is a there is a, a worry there that... Uh, that in doing that, he's he's harming himself or maybe the team. Like maybe a two or three matches a season, even where he hadn't 
where he maybe had got a break, even if he hadn't been injured, would have been a benefit to both him and 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 the team in general. Um, I, I love the guy, don't get me wrong, but it's certain that, uh, that he definitely needs a break and you can tell that, you know. Um, and I think as well that it can't be underestimated what effect time can have on a person. You know, he's... He is, I think he's 30 this year and I think he, um, I think, you know, although he's been given that five-year deal, there's no way that any human being can, like, crack on with that amount of football being played. It's, it's unbelievable. It's like, if you think about the guy, he, he was a relatively late bloomer, actually, but even with that in mind, the amount of football he's crammed into the last seven or eight years is unbelievable he's played more football in the last seven or eight years than a lot of people do their entire careers um and he's theoretically got another five years or so to go um uh lisa says again there i can't remember who said it maybe you maybe i'll know uh someone said to take down celtic you need to take down calmac i do remember that being said i can't remember who it was that said it and at one time it definitely was true and it probably still remains true, even if it's not been a tactical thing or anything like that. But he um, he has been so much the focus of everything good about what we do over the last few years that I think the fact that we're not firing on all guns this season has a lot to do with the fact that McGregor himself isn't firing on all guns. And, you know, he's far from done as a footballer, don't get me wrong, but... I think we need to look at how we use him going forward and make sure that we don't absolutely burn the guy out because what you don't want is you don't want his career to end the way I personally I don't want his career to end the way James Forrest appears to be ending where he becomes a bit part player and certain fans start resenting his involvement because they don't agree with with him being involved and they don't agree with um the contribution that he makes to the team. And I love James Forrest as much as the next person. I was at his testimonial. He's been a fantastic servant. But there's definitely a split in the support as to what kind of a person he is, uh, what kind of a player he is, and what kind of um, contribution he makes to, to the team. It's it's sad to see, and I hope McGregor doesn't go down the same ro road, but we definitely need to look at kind of using him a little bit better than we have. Um, thanks very much everybody for watching there's quite a few of you in there Um, obviously we've got some people in the chat and that's great Um, I think that um, I've seen a lot of the good of Twitter this week Um, but I did want to talk about before we got on to the very very important topic of Greg Taylor's um, Chinese order to round out the show I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some really distasteful stuff that I saw on Twitter this week regarding another Celtic supporter. Now, I'm not going to... Um, anybody who listens to this will probably know what I'm alluding to, um, but I'm not going to talk about the content of that person's tweet. I'm not going to talk about my thoughts on that and I'm not going to talk about I'm not going to mention the person individually because I don't think any of those are relevant to what I'm going to say. Um a lot of you will know that I have been through a few pylons on Twitter. I've I've come off the the platform completely on occasion. 
Um, I have um, the very fact that this podcast exists uh, is because of a pylon that meant that I felt like I was bringing heat on my former podcast uh, contributors, collaborators um, that I didn't want to do anymore. So the very fact that I'm sitting talking to you myself uh, on my own platform is a result of of the pressures of social media. Um, and I said it in a tweet um, about the person concerned, and I'll say it again here, some of the most vitriolic uh, sort of abuse that I've received on Twitter as a platform has been from fellow Celtic supporters. And I hate to say that because being a Celtic supporter and being um, being part of what a lot of people call the Celtic family can be a great thing. But it's a very tribal uh, kind of ideological thought bubble that you apparently need to follow when you're a Celtic supporter where you need to think a certain way about certain things and if you slightly differ in your opinion on those things then you are deemed not to be a Celtic supporter. Um, and it flies in the face of um, the phrase that people like to band about um, a club open to all. Very often, unfortunately, though, that is used as a weapon just to have a go at other clubs who don't have that same reputation. Um, but certainly Celtic supporters today, in a lot of cases, um, are not proving that the club is a club open to all the way that the way that you would hope it would be. Um, and we saw that this week with the person concerned. The, the, the pile on this person was absolutely unbelievable. They had to they had to private their tweets, as is usually what happens in these situations, even though from experience, the cat is very much out the bag by the time you feel the need to do that. Um, the abuse they received went far beyond the content of the tweet that they posted. It went far beyond the realms of football, far beyond the realms of human decency. And I, quite frankly, was just so sad to see it once again because, you know, every so often, as I've had the pleasure of having this week, you start to think... Oh, it's not all that bad. Um, I've had lots of encouragement this week from lots of really nice people um, congratulating me on starting the podcast and encouraging me to keep going. And and it's been really nice to see that. But what I saw this week uh, for this person was the same kind of aggressive um, tone and uh, thoughtlessness with which people were messaging this person and I just felt that's not what supporting a football club, much less Celtic, should be all about. Um, we should be about encouraging people to express their differences of opinion, express their differences in values, express their differences in thoughts. And I'm not even talking about... I mean, the pylons I've had as a Celtic supporter have been mostly related to football opinions. But I think... As a Celtic supporter, you should be able to express an opinion on anything related to the club in any way that you like. And as long as you're not being offensive with what you're saying um, morally, then I don't think there's a problem with, with you expressing those opinions. Um, and, and the person I'm talking about who, who had that pile on said absolutely nothing wrong. They, they merely asked 
a question. Um, and they got it both barrels for two reasons. One for the nature of the question supposedly being against the values of Celtic Football Club and how, how it began. And they also received this kind of inverted snobbery thing from, from some supporters about not knowing their history. Um, and I, I just was disappointed to see it. Um, I hope the person knows that I'm saying this. I hope the person is okay. And my message to that person and to anybody who's, who's suffers from this kind of abuse and this kind of pile on is as much as I've made a lot of friends through Twitter and friends through social media and I rely on people from those platforms watching these podcasts and engaging with me here, it isn't real life. You can or you should be able to put your phone in your pocket, switch it off and get on with your normal day. So much so that when I've had pylons happen, they've been happening on Twitter while I've not even been aware of them. Um, which shows you the lack of impact they can have um, or what they, what impact they can have if you allow them to. So very much easier said than done in 2023 to say just switch it off. But I think, I think having been through a few of them before, I know the temporary nature of them. They're, they're on to the next person another day and you're very much last week's news by the time, uh, by the time they've moved on. So yeah, to that person and to anybody who's been through something like that before, um, I can only say uh, you're not the only one. It unfortunately will continue to happen, but just remember that as long as you can stand by what you've done or what you've said, then you have no reason not to um, to continue behaving the way you see fit. Um, Robert says, that's why I was surprised you started your own channel. I had people reply to anything I have text and other channels yes keep going so <laughs> listen I, I th there is an element of me that thought when I stopped appearing on Axom that I would just stop appearing on podcasts altogether but the fact of the matter is that I really enjoy making content I really enjoy the process of doing it there's a lot behind the scenes that that you don't see that is part of the process that I really enjoy the working with the editing software, working with all the technology to get the stream up and running uh, all stuff that I really really enjoy and and to be honest I would probably do this if there was absolutely nobody watching them um, I'm pleased to say that the last week has proved that there isn't actually absolutely nobody watching or listening um, and I hope that continues but um, I just enjoy making it and if people enjoy watching it and listening to it then that's great as well um i'm i'm sure there's people will be not believing that i put this together because they can't stand listening to me and whatever and that's fine but i think the the luxury of having my own platform now is that i, I will know for the most part that the people even if the numbers are much smaller than it has been in other places, the people that are going to tune in to watch me are going to watch me because they want to watch me um, and want to listen to my opinions and hopefully treat everybody else that they're watching with with a bit of respect and, and a bit of um, a bit of dignity and that kind of thing and, and you're not in a position where, you know, you're part of... You're part of making content where you're not always going to be the the person that people like to watch. And and the fact of the matter is you're not always going to be the person people like to watch. That's part of life. But it doesn't mean that 
you shouldn't continue doing what you want to do and, and what you enjoy doing if that's what you do want to do. So thank you very much, Robert, for getting involved in the chat and thank you very much for the encouragement to keep going. Sid64, I know you from Twitter. Um, thanks for getting involved in the chat as well. It's really great to see you all here. Now, now that the serious bit's over and um, and we've discussed some of the less um, sort of pleasant parts of football fan media and social media and all that kind of stuff let's get on to the important stuff the Celtic Football Club have been doing an official podcast this season and I have to say I really enjoy it there's a lot of people who think it's absolute nonsense like there's a lot of non-football chat but I have to say I, I, I'm a regular listener and I really enjoy getting to know the players a bit better and getting to know their personalities a little bit more and hear a few tidbits from behind the scenes of things that you um might otherwise not hear but there was a very specific um part of this week's podcast which was an interview with greg taylor that i was very interested to hear and that was his chinese order his, his order from the takeaway chinese and the issues i have with it are maybe not the ones you would think but i'm going to put them out there anyway and we're going to discuss it because i have a few thoughts on it myself so here's what he said about his chinese order Hong Kong style sweet and sour chicken, boiled rice, controversial. I know a lot of people like fried rice, I'm a boiled rice man, house rice. Now, Hong Kong sweet and sour chicken I have no problem with. Um, I believe Hong, St Hong style means that it's boneless and it's sort of kind of a vanilla way to have your chicken, but I like it that way because that's the type of person that I am. But he said that boiled rice is a controversial uh, stands to take lots of people like fried rice in it. Don't get me wrong. I th there's a part of me that thinks if you're going to have a Chinese, you're already going down the unhealthy route. So why not make it fried rice? It tastes the bomb. But is boiled rice really controversial? I mean, at the end of the day, rice is like just a vehicle for all the sauces and the flavors and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't particularly think it's a controversial choice. Um, Greg. Seems to think he's a little bit of a maverick going for boiled rice. I don't tend to agree. Um, he's a he's he's obviously got opinions on other people's orders that I would like to hear. But yeah, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a random one. Um, and as Greg says himself, this just went a bit right off topic, <laughs> isn't it? But anyway, yeah, this has gone a bit right off topic. I have to say. But why wouldn't it go off topic? We're on a podcast that is about Celtic and other things. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts on that whole matter. Um, yeah, Lisa says, I wouldn't say it's controversial. I like boiled rice. Yeah, it's not even for me about the fact that you do or don't like boiled rice. It's like, even if you say I don't want boiled rice, does that mean boiled rice is controversial? I think boiled rice is like the most uncontroversial thing you can order at a Chinese takeaway. Um, so it was... It was Strange to hear him describe it in that manner, but I'm sure there's plenty of other people who can get much more controversial orders from the Chinese that I would have much more to say about. Um, but listen, Greg's Greg. Never change, Greg. I have to say, uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing him uh, uh, during a, a, a fan media... No, it wasn't a fan media press conference. It was a post-match press conference, actually. And he was thoroughly, thoroughly um, pleasant. Um, 
really uh, enjoyed interviewing him and you very much get the impression that he's to- you're talking to just a normal guy like a normal guy who happens to be living the dream that we would all like to live um but yeah listen I'm going to keep listening to the Celtic podcast I'm going to keep sharing snippets like that and I'm going to keep discussing my thoughts on those snippets because listen guys I might not know much about football but I do know about my takeaways thanks everybody for listening today it's really been enjoyable again um I hope to see you again next week don't forget that the podcast will be out on all the audio platforms uh, within the next 24 hours after this stream, which is live every Friday at 7pm. I've really enjoyed um, talking to you all. Um, I will see you next week. Oh, before I go, Lisa says, if you're ordering an omelette from the Chinese, that's controversial. I do agree. I do agree. Um, with that said, we will sign off until next week. Thank you very much, guys, and I'll see you again next Friday.